Hello and welcome to Changes. I am Annie McManus, delighted to have you with us for this final week of Joy January. It's been really, really amazing actually this month. We've covered music, faith, family and mindset with Femi Colioso from the jazz group Ezra Collective. We've heard from happiness expert and author of The Happiness Project, Gretchen Rubin, who discussed the very small things we can do to cultivate more joy in our daily lives. And spoiler, this does not include a gratitude diary. There were some really fascinating suggestions. I learned a lot. And then last week we had poet and author Michael Rosen, who after losing his son, Eddie, aged 18, and experiencing near death himself, talked beautifully about the duality of joy and grief and how to find joy after tragedy. We looked at play, absurdity, curiosity and the power of writing. And of course, Michael recited a poem as well, had to be done. If you missed any of those episodes, please do go back and listen. And thank you to any of you who sent us messages and emails. Got some gorgeous messages from you. Hello to Ruth Bradley, who got in touch about the Michael Rosen episode, saying the interview was so helpful and awesome and inspiring i'm going to have a proper cry now as all the tears need to come out in a good way and hello to rose reeves who also described the michael rosen episode as brilliantly eloquent heartbreaking joyous i can't stop thinking about it it really cut through the noise of the never-ending media we find ourselves on the end of these days Una got in touch to say, I love changes and look forward to it every week and I've especially loved Joy January. I think everyone finds January a bit hard, but I've especially found it hard this year as my mum passed away last August and going into a new year without her was tough going. Listening to these episodes has prompted me each week to seek out the joy in the little things and to hold on to those and remind myself that she wouldn't want me to stay sad. As a mum myself, I can recognise how hard she worked to make sure joy was heaped upon us. So I'm trying every day to let that joy seep in. Una, I send you all my love and thank you so much for getting in touch. So last but not least in our Joy January mini-series, we have a really inspiring and just the sweetest guest, I think. Her name is Quezia also known online as City Girl in Nature. Quezia grew up on an estate in Deptford in South East London and dealt with a lot of violence and trauma, which you'll hear about. And after a life-changing expedition to the Amazon, she connected with nature in a way that sparked joy and transformed her perspective on life. Quezia is now an award-winning host of the bird-watching podcast, Get Birding. It's such a gorgeous listen. And with her initiative, City Girl in Nature, she now likes to bring young children from the inner city out into the wild on expeditions. And this is just the beginning for her. Quezia, welcome to Changes. Let's begin with what is joy to you? So joy for me isn't just happiness. Joy is the journey that continued journey and that continued process of life in itself, I guess. And whatever life brings, life is always up and down, just like our heartbeat. So if we're not going up and down, how are we actually actually here and being present, you know? We can't be. So without joy, there's no sadness. And without sadness, there's no joy. Brilliant. What does your life look like now? What, what are you doing? You're a new mom. What are you working on? What's life look like for you? I guess life right now is very um, exciting because it's changing a lot. When you have a child, especially in that first year as well, the amount of changes that are happening, I guess that closely then links into my everyday work too. 
um, with young people and being out in nature because of course nature always changes too most of my life is full of changes and I guess if I'm honest too I wasn't always the best with change but now at the point I am now in life I really embrace change Mm. so you touch on changes that maybe weren't so positive in your life and I think that's one thing we've learned from doing this is that there's change that happens to you that kind of pulls the rug and then there's change that you can embrace and lean into. And a lot of the change that happens to you happens when you're a kid because you have no control of your life. You know, it's other people in charge. Um, so you had a fair share of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really like how you phrase that, too. A lot of people don't mm. ask people or say um, what's happened to you. Most people say mm. what's wrong with you, you know, and I really yeah, think that's yeah, a really yeah. good um, a place to start at. And for me, I guess growing up, I faced a numerous amount of things. Growing up, Deptford, there was quite a lot of poverty and hardship and inequalities that the community here faced, whether that be from the police, whether that be from government level, and even in the schooling system too, there was quite a lot of things that we, we, including myself, faced. But then I also had, Mm. I was a young carer for my grandmother who had Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's and a few other long-term conditions. And I I became her carer around 10 years old, um, helping my mum out. And I lost her, which then two years later, I lost my auntie to what is seen as an honour killing. And that was my uncle that murdered my auntie and a few of my cousins got... um, really injured and hurt in in a house fire one of my cousins sustained 80 percent burns and oh at the God. time so I would have been in year 10 which is about 15 and my cousin was 16 the one that actually um got really burnt too so and then two years after that is when my friend was murdered um by someone who's I know someone that was involved in his murder too um through knife crime which of course for me is a big issue within my community and yeah. especially that there's not much support given when any of these type of trauma um, happens. Yeah. And I guess that was the turning point for me with the honour killing happened, losing my grandmother, my friend being stabbed was like really, really, really impactful because I guess the scale of it. I spoke at his funeral, for instance, and there was like, over 500 people at that funeral, mainly young people. And looking out at that, being at the front of the church is like really impactful because we're all dealing with something and no one has the tools to uh, deal with that trauma. And as you say, it's like it's happened to you. Knife crime is a terrible thing, of course, but most of us don't understand the root of it. But I personally think it's poverty. That was impactful on me and in turn really affected my mental well-being. I actually used began misusing um, cannabis and my family was worried about me because yeah. I started using that as a way to cope with some of the things I, I was um, struggling with. And it did actually have an effect on me where I was quite angry because I didn't know how to process my emotions at all. So it came out in anger and... I guess I had a family breakdown within my own family. My families lived separate at the time, so I I couldn't live with either of them, so I had to be sofa surfing to different friends' house and then lived in hostels for two and a half years. 
And then, yeah, in that process is when I came across the opportunity to go to the Amazon. But that, that's a whole different... <laughs> I mean, so, so you kind of got three different hits of loss throughout your teens, which is already a really turbulent time. What was happening in your life when you were in the hostels? Did you feel like you were supported in any way in terms of community or anything like that? Being in a hostel surrounded by 20 other females with four bathrooms and one shower room and one kitchen um, was quite a, quite an interesting uh, experience for me. The staff were there to support, but I guess being young, you never really turn to adults. It's mainly your peers or people that you uh, yeah. um, look up to, I guess. And these people, were their purpose was to help and they did help with housing and making sure you're, you know, sticking to your kind of um, road to independence. Mm. But I guess there wasn't necessarily support in elements that probably most of us needed to why a lot of things were happening in the hostel. And being all females, it's quite a lot of emotions and um, monthly cycles, etc. So... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was a quite a yeah transformative because I'd never experienced nothing like it before. I was studying sports at the time, um, and also working as a football coach whilst also living with a burden, I guess, of quite those traumatic events that had happened to me. Mm. And also, one of the things I guess I should mention is that I was actually also. Uh, a key person that a lot of people turned to so that also made things a bit more challenging I guess because um, I was then also dealing with so many other people's problems too and trying to help them find yeah. solutions and kind of in a way suppressing my own it is quite quite a um, transitional period though as well So tell me then about how you go from living in a hostel, um, you know, going to college, going to work, football coaching to then being in the Peruvian jungle. Yeah. It's such an extreme change. Honestly speaking, um, and it is my favourite word of recent since I learned it, it's definitely serpendipity in terms of ah. I literally was working on a project called Black Minds Matter. Right, what was that? So Black Minds Matter is a project based in Wandsworth and it was a project to build social change leaders but also provide alternative therapies to young people that are struggling. Then I heard about this opportunity, bearing in mind at the time when I was doing that work, I was actually 19. I guess my life experiences and where I was at was I was doing a lot of peer-to-peer -peer support. Whilst I was working on that project, this guy from the British Exploring Society, Matt, never forget his name, he came in and he was presenting this opportunity, he did a bit of a presentation. There was about three or four people. And for me, I was firstly shocked that um, this opportunity was in my face. But yeah. I was also, in a way felt like it didn't connect with me and I didn't belong. I didn't feel like it was something that was meant for me. In the end, 
all the other people that were there for whatever reason didn't take up the opportunity. In fact, one of the people, he actually, that same summer I went to the Amazon, he got shot. He didn't die, thankfully, but he Jesus. he got shot. So like all these oh quite extreme things always happening. But I, yeah, that's how I came across the um, opportunity essentially. So you were there in the capacity of working helping other kids mm-hmm. so that was your job yeah yeah okay so it's important to say that so you were kind of doing putting a lot of your energy and time into younger kids but hadn't really had the chance of the headspace of the time to figure out your own yeah stuff definitely yeah. um I, I was slowly starting to through the fact right. that I was around the alternative therapies that I personally also really mm. enjoyed it was great you know working with those young people but I slowly started seeing how I could help myself too, um, just by doing the work of helping others. Okay, so you went for the thing. Can you remember like what went through your head when you were like, I'll just give this a go? I knew it wouldn't come around again. So I I went through the process. Thankfully for me, the um, head of the youth club, she found a sponsor for me and I was um, they fully paid for me. Mm. Um, to go and everything that I needed and before actually going to the Amazon kind of camped for two days so it was two days of first time camping first time being around so many people that felt like wasn't from the same background for me maybe because they seemed very experienced with camping first of all I was like a bit overwhelmed and then after that two week two day sorry experience I kind of doubted going, but I guess something within me still pushed me to go. And that next stop was Heathrow Airport. Who were the people that you were with on this Amazon trip? The young people, um, but from all over the UK. I guess for me, the, uh, there was only probably two other brown people, which was quite extreme for me because I'd never really yeah. experienced that. Growing up in Deptford, for instance, I was always around like black and brown people and mm. never really felt like the minority to that extent. And being in a remote place <laughs> with no phone, <laughs> I guess that in itself was quite transformative. Just what I've said, let alone the, um, the nature element, that element of it, <laughs> of that was right. like... <laughs> quite impactful too well let's stay on that for a second before we get to the actual nature bit so I suppose how did being around those people who were all so different from you or maybe they weren't different from you but different on paper like from different places and different backgrounds and different ethnicities and religions or whatever how did that change your outlook on the world I suppose and on yourself so funny enough uh, most of them did kind of have general experience of camping But what I noticed just on the three days going into the jungle, my perception was that these people, most of them, know more than me. I don't know why I thought that, but I was like, they know more than me. You know, they're more experienced than me. Mm -hmm. They know what they're doing, essentially. That was what was going on in my head, how I was feeling. But I was very much interested to understand and see how... I'm going to survive with these strangers, essentially. Mm. Mm. And in fact, by the time we got to the jungle, we were late. So um, we arrived in the dark. Wow. So 
that in itself was quite a lot because we our first introduction was in the dark complete sounds so that was a the first thing that kind of hit me as well non-stop sounds so going into the jungle one of the things that was shocking me the amount of trees i was just seeing Mm. like for like nine hours straight just trees and i was just like wow (laughs) getting there at night time now having to put our head torches on uh, put our tents up being put into that situation and then seeing how we came together i would say within the first week all the stuff i thought i believed changed how because the conversations and the interactions we were having every single day was very real and raw and the environment we was in was enabling this within us all Mm. it was like a sense of freedom for everyone like no one had anything that was in a way tangible to make us feel like what I feel now a lot of us hide behind you know a lot of these social concepts and things and none of that exists in that space Mm. so all those beliefs went out the window um and I realized that wow we had to also talk about our toilet you know what's going on in the toilet for all of us because we didn't want to catch DMV, which is diarrhea and vomiting. So yeah. we had to openly speak about things that you wouldn't be doing with, with a, you know, a bunch of people you just met for a week. Yeah. But it was something that we had to do to look out for each other. Every day we shared responsibilities. And also, so in between, we went on tours, as they call it, which was three days a- away from base camp in our mm-hmm. little groups. Mm-hmm. So then we had to also, whilst we was away from base camp, also look out for each other. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the jungle, including snakes, including things you can trip on. And also sweat bees, which, funny enough, became a bit of a problem for some people. What the hell is a sweat bee? (laughs) So it's a bee that is attracted to sweat. Oh, wow. So like it got caught in some people's hair, for instance. So there was like... Always something that you wasn't necessarily yeah. expecting, but it yeah. was like you came together and it was like your family, you know, like, yeah, because we all depended on each other and we all, you know, was working together to um, survive. In those scenarios, you, you end up inadvertently learning about yourself because everyone plays a role somehow. They kind of naturally ad- adapt into being like a helper or a nurturer or a leader or, a you know, did you figure out? who you were in that context. A hundred percent. And that was one of my biggest takeaways. Right. Immediately. So one day we was out on one of our tours and we had like a kind of like a guy that would go with us just because he knew the jungle best. He was a local. So he would come out with us. And let's say on day one, he showed us like we just went in direction and he showed us like that way kind of thing, how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we wasn't using maps, um, and yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, so then the second day was like our task to try to find that place again. Bearing in mind it's the rainforest, so and when we're on our tours, we got our sixty-five liter backpacks on and our yeah. tents yeah. and all our cooking gear and stuff. So um, we're walking around trying to find this place. 
slowly people start, you know, giving up a bit, you know, I'm hungry, um, can we sit down for a bit? Mm. And like everyone slowly starts to, and it rubs off on me a bit, but then, and then mm. I start saying it, but then the leader, one of the leaders like pulls me to the side and just kind of says, you're a bit of a leader in this group, like try to encourage them. And then when she said that to me, something sunk in within me um, that I am actually quite influential amongst everyone here. And then I switched my attitude and I said, guys, come on, we can do it. You know, like we're not far off and mm. blah, 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 blah. Mm. Da, da, da. And in fact, everyone's motivation changed and slowly like, and I was like, wow, like I, I did, I'd never seen it in that form before, mm. that leadership or that kind of being able to, you know, encourage others or what was said about me on that expedition, my emotional intelligence, which I didn't really, wasn't mm. aware of. Mm. At the end, when we actually got there and everyone was happy eating our sandwiches and, you know, we was like sitting at like a, a river bank. So like pink dolphins went by and local fishermen wow. and stuff. So we was like so happy that we actually got right. there in the end. Yeah. And for me, that was a big teaching uh, lesson, not just because of how that, that change happened, but yeah. there was something about appreciating the journey um, over the destination and that was like one of the highlights of the trip i'd say that was like in about week two yeah that just changed a lot of things to the way we interacted with each other as you say the more i started understanding about my life experiences and you know that's where i guess i started to then actually change a lot of the forces i thought processes i had before about my life experiences and myself yeah, but in fact, embrace it and see the um, the beauty in it, you know, because just that small experience changed a lot. And these were people that I felt didn't have the same background to me, right? And I was able to have that effect on them. Which I was a football coach. I'm doing it in some sort of way back home, but I never really saw it in that way, in that circumstance, in that you know situation. Because in school and stuff as well, for like a lot of people like me, you're always told like, oh, yeah, you're not going to do anything and mm. whatever. So all these kind of like labels that are like pushed onto me and a lot of people. Then I started realising, no, in fact, my, these are my natural gifts. They're not like bad. And it just changed a lot for me. And then I started to, I guess, that's where I started feeling that the environment and nature and everything that was happening was like so healing and immersive that it just was shifting my life but at the time I honestly speaking I couldn't tell you that I just felt different yeah. I didn't have the words for it and even I didn't have the words for it for like over a year after I came back small details are big surfaces Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you did come back after that year, what was it that you found the words for? Like, what was it that you were able to kind of process and learn? So, although I didn't bring a phone along with me, I did yeah. bring a GoPro yeah, I watched the video. Yeah, so that was one of the best decisions I guess I did. And being able to capture it, I guess, enabled me to relive it. In a way, the filming element helped me also understand that natural gift I had too, which I didn't see before. The difference I felt is that I need to make an impact more. So I, I still continued Black Minds Matter, but then I... Then started to, instead of being a football coach, I wasn't just a football coach. I was a part of London Football Association's Youth Council. Wow. So helping make decisions for grassroots football, mm. because I saw being impacted on as a female, how, you know, female opportunities was different and I wanted to help change that. But also people that don't make it as a footballer and that impacts on their mental health. And so yeah. then I knew a lot around yeah. that stuff. I wanted to mm. change that. So anything I kind of had involvement in, I wanted to make a difference mm. and that was the main difference I saw but then British Exploring Society didn't know about my background properly so when I was on expedition I spoke a lot with the uh, adults because I guess I felt more like yeah. connected with them yeah and I shared my story with them a bit in pieces some pieces here and there yeah and funny enough the chief leader so back to the emotional intelligence thing, he had then gave, given that feedback to them. And I received the award for that, actually, when I returned back from the Amazon, which we went to Buckingham Palace for Duke Explorers wow. Ward. Wow. Yeah. And I guess I then was still in contact with British Exploring Society. They then wanted me to share my story, you mm. know. That's how it started a bit for me, sharing my story, then I was invited in 2020 to Adventure Mind Conference. That's where it clicked for me about my whole experience. It was like an aha moment. I was like, I've experienced this, but how can it be relatable to people like me? Yeah. How will it connect with them? How can they feel this too? And then my first thing was YouTube because... yeah. When I returned back, I had that footage and I put that video up straight away. Yeah, we'll link to it. We'll link to it in the show notes for anyone who wants to watch it. But that's when I just put it on there. I didn't really have a plan that I was going to, yeah. you know, yeah. go back to making videos or anything. But then that aha moment in 2020, I then was like, wow, like I need to do something more. So that's where I then had interviews with people, you know, speaking about ways that they connect with nature, but also showing the ways that I was starting to connect with nature. And yeah. I guess it was my David Attenborough version, my mm. version of David Attenborough, but yeah. for my community, because I started, the shots were just not just about nature, but what trainers am I wearing? 
Yeah. Um, and what am I wearing? Like, what clothes am I wearing? And sometimes there's cutaways and someone's watches there. And people yeah. don't understand. People that don't understand, like, really? But people yeah. that are, but I'm reaching are like, oh, wow. Yeah. Jordans. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> so it is possible to talk about Jordans and Peregrine Falcons <laughs> in one video. And yeah. That, yeah. It's, so it's like, it's like entry points for people, like how to get people, like, stay interested and yeah literally and just like my whole first series was literally people i knew music was involved mm. too yeah so yeah, there's yeah. like a whole variety of music um music that usually are, is not associated with nature yeah nature yeah. documentaries like, <laughs> like when you do watch a series of music really it's such a big powerful part of it um how have you seen nature and an awareness of nature change people your peers it really is impactful the camp i ran this summer first camp young most of those young people had never camped before yeah but one of the things i already knew through having conversations with young people was camping food doesn't speak to them I tried to make it the best possible experience for them. So, in fact, I did have, like, rice and peas with planting and chicken mm. for them. Mm. Um, still cooked on a wood fire. So, yeah. But I wanted these things not to affect their camping experience. And then when I saw that, you know, that helped them really connect with the nature side of things and nature connection side of things rather than worrying about being hungry and those yeah yeah of, things. of course yeah they um they were really homing in more on first time bird watching and using the binoculars and yeah you know first time actually being present first time without their phones for a lot of them first time for so- one in particular being away from her mum in 13 years for more than one night. Wow. That experience of being submerged in the new forest. Yeah. When they came back and the feedback I was getting from their parents is like, wow, you know, they want to do more of this. Um, one boy in particular, he said to me, Gossia, is there nature stuff in London? I was like, yeah, Aww. of course there is. Um, you know, there's... Yeah. parks and gardens you can do all the stuff that we've done locally too and one of the beautiful things about when we was facilitating the camp is that we always made it relatable to what they can find on their doorsteps and at home yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. I guess that's I guess it was the initial connection they then had in there but then continuing that also sometimes it's not about oh doing it now I always say that as well to young mm-hmm. people it's not about, oh, you've done this camping experience and so now when you go back, always spend time in the park and whatever. Mm. But I say maybe in like five years time, 10 years time, you guys might want to use these skills again. Like us all. Sometimes the things we learn aren't relevant right then, but yeah. later on comes back and in a way can save us from some of the things that we're going through and stuff. I personally saw nature as a tool, but then seeing the young people then seeing that this, they've, they they were like homing into certain things that they found connected with them. I then started hearing different conversations, you know, like it was shifted mindsets too. People were like saying, oh yeah, I really connect with water actually. I like water. I actually like being near the Thames or I like hearing water. I like when it rains and I started hearing like different conversations. And that's when I 
really knew that this was impacting not just like their experience but the way they were thinking about things that I guess before they might not have been able to talk about. So what you're really doing is you're helping kids access and activate their senses and Mm. in, in the episode that we did at the start of this month we spoke to someone who's written loads of books on happiness and joy and all of that and one thing she kept coming back to was senses and being aware of your senses and your smell and touch and sight and everything just really being able to like tune into them and that's what nature kind of affords you to do isn't it it kind of forces you to really look and really listen and and feel things and helps you feel at your most alive doesn't it 100 percent. so let me ask you chrisia how has nature and the kind of new discovery and awareness of nature changed you i guess for me discovering how important to have a relationship with nature is has really given me the opportunity to live a life of what I feel is abundant. Because even if I'm experiencing sadness, even if I'm experiencing joy, I know that by connecting with our natural world in whatever form that is, maybe just wearing, being barefoot, maybe it's actually bird watching, whatever it is, I know that this will always then be able to ground me and give me perspective and um, allow me the space to also, you know, just be whatever's happening in that present moment. I guess it's just changed my whole thought process, changed how I look at life, and the experiences I've had, the way I look at even joy. If I did if I didn't have that experience with nature, that transformative kind of thing of going to the Amazon, I don't know if I would be here right now in terms of being able to say to you what I said to you in the beginning, in terms of there's no sadness without joy and no joy without sadness. Because I feel like Nature has really facilitated something really special and I see that as healing. What's apparent when I hear your story is the kind of cyclical nature of you helping people and then going to the Amazon and having that that one very small exchange from that leader informing you of who you are obviously you had you had the knowledge deep down but sometimes you need to be told by someone and then you have a whole new perspective on yourself and then you are able to kind of lead in that scenario and be inspired to carry on leading and and helping people to learn when you came home what change would you still like to make or see um moving forwards in your life the one thing i'd say that I'd definitely like to continue to help to change is just by doing what I can at my level to impact positively on the people around myself and myself, you know, and just trying to always use myself as an example first. Um, One thing that I've learned on this journey is that 
it's always better to use yourself as an example um, because the only way you really are helping others is by helping yourself first. So I guess yeah. moving forward with that in mind, it's just about constantly, in big and small ways, just trying to ensure that I'm continue to learn things and continuing to mm. unlearn things. And yeah. I guess also sharing that with others. And for those who are listening who like, yeah, love watching the Odd Nature program and they know instinctively that being around nature calms them, but they don't really know what they should be doing out there. I suppose what advice would you give to our listeners to go and immerse themselves in nature and to get the most out of it, I suppose? You know, being in nature is not all about knowing bird names or, you know, not at all. It's just about being present, I'd say. And embracing yeah. embracing what that looks like. You don't have to go all the way to the Amazon to um, experience an expedition or go to Antarctica or, you know, like right on your doorstep, in your house, out the window, literally wherever you are, nature is there coexisting alongside you. So I guess taking out all of those kind of expectations that, um, sometimes we like to put on ourselves and just embracing you know our natural world for what it is mm. and finding the beauty in it or maybe not the beauty maybe it's not beautiful to you but just embracing it and yeah you yeah. don't need to be a botanist and turn your phone off oh that's major how could i forget <laughs> Because as I, that's been Turn a your phone because that's been a consistent theme as you've heard as well with me. Um, definitely, mm. definitely turn mm. your phone off. You know, connect with your senses, whatever, whatever sense you home in on, or whatever it is, you can just spend ten minutes outside going for a walk without your phone, and yeah. you know you'll be surprised what you'll notice that you probably never noticed before. Because I do that all the time. And every time yeah. I do it, even if it's the same walk, I notice something different because yeah. a bird could have came from somewhere that's never been there before. I can hear something that wasn't there before, you know, so it's, it's always changing. And that's the beauty. Yeah. That's the beauty of nature, too. It's always changing. There. Just like us, too. <laughs> ah, Kwasia, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Right then, I don't know about you, but I am off to the park for a walk and to look up at the trees and to listen. Um, unsurprisingly, given what we just heard, as well as winning awards for her podcast, Get Birding, Quezia is now an ambassador for the British Exploring Society. Do check out her YouTube channel, City Girl in Nature. We put a link in the show notes. And thank you for listening to this mini series of changes. Uh, joy January. Wow, we've learned a lot about joy. Thank you for all the messages. Thank you for sharing. Good luck to anyone who made January resolutions. Linda Terrell, keep going. She emailed to say she's done 20 days of dry jam at the time and feels very proud as she's Irish. We're rooting for you, babe. Also, hello to Gillian, who messaged to say her resolutions only ever involve things that are joyful, like learn how to drink wine or try a kebab. <laughs> Equally love that one. Thank you, Gillian. 
do please rate, review and subscribe to Changes if you haven't yet. It is so appreciated. Share it amongst your pals. And Changes is back next week with a fantastic comedian who had a huge change when she got diagnosed with something in her adulthood. Make sure you're subscribed. Changes is produced by Louise Mason with assistant production from Anna DeWolf Evans. See you next week, folks.